Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I want to preach a little bit this morning. I really have faith as God is leading us in the series. And, um, and uh, just a quick touch base. The thing about Galatians, it's not just a nice story for us to follow. It deals with our thinking. It challenges our thinking if we give ourselves to it. And, and, and what biblical scholars and theologians would say is orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Right thinking, right believing leads to right living. You, you're not going to land up in right living with very wrong thinking. So God wants to deal with our thinking. He wants to deal with the wise deep down in our hearts and our thoughts. And he does that in this amazing book of Galatians. And and there's a warning in the Bible of saying, actually, don't remain ignorant, don't remain clueless, don't be saved for 50 years and not know what God had for you. He says, I want you to delve into my word, I want you to find out, I want you to search the deep truths of my word, I want you to mature. So he throws a, a book that was written to a people, a letter, not a, a study guide, a letter of love written to a people in an area called Galatia, because God is wanting more for them. He wants the same for you and I. And he takes us on stories, and, and I know last week we touched on something. I touched on alcohol. I wish I hadn't have rushed it. And in no way was I looking to, to encourage consumption of alcohol. That's not what I was looking to do. But I'm telling you that God wants to, uh, us to avoid both the cage of licentiousness, the cage of loose living, because that is a cage and a slippery slope that happens very easily. He also wants us to avoid the same that is also a cage called legalism. And in Galatia, he's saying, you're going to navigate this road. How are you going to navigate this road? Not by tensions. Don't do this. 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 That most Christians and many people who watch the church think that's how we live. No, we don't live like that. We live a life by the Spirit. Where the freedom expressed inside of us is because our heart is free. God wants our hearts free. And I stumbled onto a line last week while I was preaching and preparing to preach that we can't take someone from one chain, take an old prisoner, just to put them into new chains. So that was the fight, and it continues to be the fight. And it's a fight with anything in our lives. Anything. We, anything. We think, oh, the minute you think you've got something, that's the time you've got to watch out about slipping off one way or the other. I literally did fall off. <laughs> and... Uh, God is saying, what's in your heart? And, and you know what? The reality is, we, why my heart? We've got to question what's in our heart. Even the Bible says, the psalmist writes, why my soul are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within? Put your hope in God. Sometimes we've got to ask our souls, hang on. Why? why? Ask yourself, why? Why is this thing in my life a pull? Why is this thing, the good thing that God gave, determining every direction in my life when I feel the Spirit of God calling me another direction. Why? I've got to be able to ask myself those questions. And um, today we continue, and I'd love us to read from verse 13 again, and we're going to move on a little bit. But I pray, Spirit of God, you are here. Have your way with us. Lead us, show us, guide us, I pray. Amen. One scripture, four quick points, a quick picture, and then we're done for the day together. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your brother as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. 
So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. It's quite a list, eh? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a proper list. He didn't leave. There's, I mean, he, sure there's more, but it's a proper list. List And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been cruci- have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Four simple points. The first one is this. There's a greater desire. And it says this in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you just took that scripture, I would be left confused. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not sure my flesh is completely gone. It has a propensity to rise again. I don't know about you, my flesh, my unctions that are against God and not God's ways and some of those things that determine, and even in that list, there are things that in my life, when I'm outside of God and walking those ways, these things seem to rise again. It's like, whoa, I thought I had you under control in my 20s. Now in my 30s, I thought you'd be gone, but they're not gone. They're very much there. Or I thought I only struggled with that when I was a teenager, but all of a sudden it's back. Like, how did that happen? The Bible says it's crucified. Now in what sense, in what term is it crucified? So I've been walking with the Lord for most of my life, but I still feel like sometimes that wants to pop out. And verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. Here, Here's the reality. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Maybe like been sitting here in Galatians like, Yes, this dude, he doesn't seem to struggle with anything. Wow, you'd be wrong. <laughs> in like a big way. More than you could imagine. The struggle is real. And becoming a Christian is not about the point that there is no longer struggle, that there is no longer any fleshly reality in my life. The, the, the becoming a Christian is the fact that I'm in a conflict and I'm choosing to partner with God. And I'm winning the battle because as I partner with God, there's victory after victory after victory in my story. That's what being a Christian is. It's a person who's at war with those desires by the power of the Spirit. Not by my ability to hang on. I'm holding on, God. No, that's not what we're saying. But we're also not saying there is no battle. No, the struggle is real for every person. And the challenge, as this war rages, is, is that it's, it's not through, and where we would default to in a worldly way is, well, there's no supernatural answer to the story, so we're going to default to a human natural way. What is the human natural way? Well, we're going to put in sin management systems. SMS. You wondered what it stood for. Just thought of that. That was good. And, um, but we're going to put these sin management systems in our lives. You know it. We've all done it. So you sit with a guy who's struggling with porn. First thing you need to do, take your MacBook, throw it in the sea. Yep. Get rid of Wi-Fi. 
Take your iPhone, drive over it. You know, we default to natural means to find our ways to freedom. And you know what? For someone who's taking their first steps, there are those, those abilities and those support structures that are very, very needed, but it will always be short-term. It'll always have its limitations. It will always run out of steam because my best intentions and my best abilities to hold on, I will always run out of energy for. The only real way to break free from any chain is not to fix your eyes on the chain stare and say, if I just look at lust in my life and I just keep an eye on it and I just manage it, if I just look after that thing and I keep smacking it into place, if I, if I just do that one thing, I'll beat that thing. The challenge is if that's your way, I promise you something else will replace it. There'll be another chain. It'll look different. You might be better at hiding it from everyone, even yourself. But there'll be another change. The only way to manage that desire that pulls you in is to get a greater desire. To be captivated by a greater desire. The intoxicating reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no greater desire for the human heart. Oh, Mark, is it possible... That's for pastors. That's for guys. That's the everything. My reality is in the natural world, so I've got to deal with natural realities. Well, what do you do with Psalm 42? Because it's a little weird. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, where I can go around and meet with God. Where I can go and meet with God. My soul pants. Keep that scripture up. Just process that a little bit. I've never been like... Like a deer panting for God. I have not. What is the psalmist saying? Is he saying you're like some animal, you've got these things and they're gonna, you're just gonna need water? So you can... No, he's not saying that. He's saying there is a possibility in a world where people do not think they have an ability to walk with God. There is a possibility that you can be so dependent and, and so real in your relationship with God that it will captivate you that your soul would pant and desire God. When lost were you thirsty? When lost were you thirsty, thirsty, thirsty? And there was no water around. Went for a hike in, in, in the Cedarburg with our boys and we really underestimated it. And our little three-year-old got to the top of the hill. I said, how was that, boys? Fine. It's great. Red cheeks. No water from. He was thirsty. When lost were you thirsty for God? Because the psalmist says, actually we are designed to hunger and thirst for Him. And then when He becomes our greatest desire, there is no other desire, there is no other attraction that will pull me in. Stop trying to manage your attractions, your desires. You were given and you were created as a person with desires in you. But you were called to desire God. And when you give your attention, you give your energy to that one desire, the other desires will fade away. They will lose their grip. They will lose their power. So how does this look, that scripture? Take that scripture, for example. So what about someone who loves expensive cars? What does it look like? As the car fanatic dreams of driving that expensive car. So my soul is pulled into that longing. The deeper part of me will do anything to get that car. What do I have to do to get it? It's the same psalm, just focused on a different desire. And God says, actually, I've called you to desire intimacy and reality of relationship with me. And I promise you, in that desiring, a greater desire, there's freedom. 
The only way is not sin management or desire control systems. See, I told the story, I remember, I told that Milton, I didn't tell it to you. I've got a brother-in-law for eight years in a homosexual relationship. The month that we decided to go in full-time ministry, the family had a big month because my brother-in-law decided to tell us he was entering into a homosexual relationship and no one knew. It was a big month for the family. And he walked in that relationship for eight years. And to be honest, it destroyed every area of his life, not just deep in his soul. Financially, he was a very successful accountant. He ended up in debt, majorly, almost going to prison. And the end of the journey was him in, the, in a town called Bethlehem at a rented hotel room trying to kill himself. And the only reason we found him is because of a car GPS. Just tell you, because that's the journey that sin takes us on. It'll always take you further than you think. And this is not an issue of homosexuality. This is an issue of freedom. See, we like to think, oh, homosexuality. I can I agree with you on that one, but not my little lust problem, Mark. Now, I promise you, sir or ma'am, it will always take you further because it's just a chain that is getting shorter and shorter in its leash and control of your life. And then four years ago, that same man, desperate on his knees, having tasted something of Jesus, ran to Jesus. And about 18 months ago, I sat down with him. I said, talk to me. I need to know what's happening here, so I've got to understand your journey. I want, to, I want to see this journey, because understand this is family, this is close. Understand while he was in that journey, I'm preaching and saying, I'm telling you, homosexuality is a sin. Understand the implications of the dynamics. So when God grips you, you're on the other side, you're going, thank you, Jesus, but I've got to just hear what's going on deep inside. I said, Ryan, what does this look like? Is that gone now? He said, Mark, to be honest, I still struggle with a measure of same-sex attraction. But I'm not controlled by it. I'm not mastered by it. I will never go back to it. That will never be how I will pursue my sexuality. And if my life looks like a life of celibacy, I'm completely content and satisfied in the intimacy with Jesus. I'm telling you. Maybe that sounds too out there for you. When you've been to the low and you've sat in the hotel room, you've tried to kill yourself, you are looking for something that will satisfy that everything else couldn't satisfy. Now we are four years later, and he is only finding more courage, more strength, more voice, and he is influencing with his story. I'm so grateful to God, because I'm telling you, you cannot manage something that is controlling you. You just can't. Your, uh, your whole journey to freedom is to throw yourself into the only freedom that is Jesus, and a journey with that. Jesus plus nothing, not Jesus plus success, not Jesus plus when it's good, or Jesus plus my health, Jesus plus my promotion, Jesus plus my security, Jesus plus a vote of no confidence. No, that cannot be. And, and Nico shared this morning about an amazing picture. It says, Jesus says, I am, I, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's a promise, guys. It's not a threat. It's not an opportunity. It's a promise. The gospel is a promise. And then this man gets up, but don't make Jesus an ingredient in the bread of your life. No, he wants to be the all-sustaining, full meal of a thirsty and hungry people. He is the bread and the wine of our lives. He is the communion of our lives. Those who are thirsty and hungry for him. We are called to be satisfied. It's Jesus is everything. 
Point number one was the longest, so stay calm. <laughs> Point number two, it's not your party. And I can do what I want to. It says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You're not to do whatever you want. It's not your party. You're going to get to determine what it looks like. Oh, I'm going to take that one line from Galatians and I'm just going to determine that that freedom means I get freedom to do everything of what freedom looks like in my heart. So freedom in my heart looks like actually I'm going to abuse people in the marketplace. I'm going to pay terrible salaries. I'm going to drive as fast as I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. No, that's not what he's talking about. Saying you are free into a story of freedom where the king is a king of liberty and peace and justice and grace. And he pulls you into his big story. And, and here's the thing. This freedom is, is not a freedom at all. It's, it's completely different. And so when you sign up for justification, you're not signing up for something that's all about me. You're signing up to a journey where God says, I'm going to show you how to navigate life. And in that navigation, there is freedom. It's the picture of my boys last week that I shared in a safe area swimming. But outside of that safe area, there are rip currents and there are times that a four-year-old will not be able to handle. And they keep referring back to me and eventually they learn in themselves how to navigate those things. God's saying, I want to teach you how to navigate life by keeping your eyes on me and having your word, my word, my word. Man cannot live by bread alone. By the word of God, the picture is, a, is, a, is a, a, an eagle with his mouth open and the little eagle eating out of their parent's mouth. It's a relationship of intimacy. He says, I'm going to teach you out of a relationship of intimacy how to navigate those things. How do you navigate when the vote doesn't go to your way? How do you navigate when SARS does things and you're not happy with? How do you navigate when your, bo- Josh, your, bo- job do- your boss doesn't give you the job that you think you deserve? How do you navigate? So you go look for a scripture that tells you how to navigate what your boss doesn't know. No, no, no. Look at Jesus. And the Spirit of God shows you Jesus. And you walk like Jesus. And here's the challenge. How do Christians navigate life? Well, often what Christians will default to is, well, it's just different to the world. So instead of going to the Word and saying, what does freedom look like? We say, well, it's different to the world. I'm going to do that. And I'm telling you, that's just another chain. Just, well, we're just so different to the world. It's not about being different to the world. It's about being like Jesus. Here's the thing. He also wore clothes. So do the world. He ate food. So do the world. He liked food. So does the world. Because where you draw that line and the challenges, the freedoms God gave you yesterday and the decisions made yesterday that led to lead of can be your chains tomorrow. Because God will walk you as an infant sometimes and say, well, you're going to fall. So keep him away from the glass table. But are you going to... Because when we had been... He was one years old. He was learning to walk. He walks into my mother-in-law's house, straightened. We've just driven from Durban to Joburg, six hours. He walks in and smacks the glass table. It shatters. He lands on his hand. There is a piece of glass stuck in his head on the floor. So what do we do? We start keeping him away from glass tables for a while. But when he's 37 one day, are we still going, Ben, stay away from the glass table? Remember what happened? When you were one. And we want to do that with believers. No, we've got to facilitate the growing up of believers so they can navigate the glass tables of their lives. See, what right, what's right needs a grid. And it's not just what's better than the world. Jesus gives us a grid in John 5. He says, Very truly I tell you, you... 
The Son of God can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees the father, His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Christianity has a destination, and it's not heaven. The destination of Christianity is the Father. And I get to the Father by the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God revealing the Father to me. Heaven's just what it's called. My destination is an eternity of intimacy with the Father who loves me, who is good even when I lose family members. He's still good even when the vote doesn't go my way. He's still good because he said so in his word and in eternity I will live in his goodness and I've got to choose to walk in that now. Challenge in this is I need a tour guide or a path leader because we all have a tendency to drift. So point number three, there's a new boss in town. I'm not quite sure why I went for these titles, but they made sense on the airplane. <laughs> says, but if you are led on, by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the implication is the law was your boss. How did I know where I went? Well, well, there was a speed limit in my life. There was a, 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 a rule. There was a regulation. There's a, a law in my life and all these things. And now it says, actually, there's a new leader in your life. The law of love, the bond of love, the Holy Spirit. But here's the implication. So many people think the Holy Spirit is their weapon they pull out when they need to pray for healing. We had a home group now. Someone's sick. We're going to pray. Come Holy Spirit. Now we're going to do war. Okay, prayer time's over. Go back in. We've got to understand the reasons why we do what we do when we don't want to do it. Because I know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself doing what I don't want to do, but I do it anyway. Paul says the same thing in Romans. Because we've got to understand why we did what we did. Why, why, did I, why did I get angry with my kids? Was it actually in the interest of their future? Or was I just embarrassed? Was it my pride? Why did I do what I do? Let me give you a few because I deal with people my whole life. It's, it's fear of man and rejection. Huge. It's bad disciplines, it's insecurities, it's fear. Fear of being lonely. So we do what we don't want to do sometimes. We, we sit in the council of the wicked sometimes because we're fearful of being lonely. And God says, I want you to throw you into a community called the church. Sometimes it's just boredom and there's no missional story. It's just boredom. See, the Holy Spirit is not just a guide in this life. The Holy Spirit is the fuel for that mission. It's the fuel to take us on that story. And he enables and equips an appetite change for God as the Holy Spirit reveals his word. See, I don't know about you, but I can read the Bible for days and sometimes it's like, wow. Leviticus 23. Just, whew. Every day, there's that thing, that moment, that truth that I've read a thousand times and the Holy Spirit goes, boom, for today, son, I want you to see the Father. I want you to see Jesus in Leviticus. I want you to see Jesus in the Psalms. I want you to see the Father. I need the Holy Spirit to show me. I want to move ahead. The fourth point is learn to be led and walk in step with the Spirit. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Due to fear, I haven't learned to soki soki it. Confession time. Because I get every step wrong. And I grew up in Durban, and there ain't a whole lot of appetite for soki in Durban. But here's what we've got to understand, what the Spirit is teaching us. 
We don't lead the Spirit. He leads us. We've got to stop treating Him like the power we pulled out for the hour. No, we've got to treat Him as the one who leads us. And we keep in step two quick pictures, and then we're done. The first one is this. I was 18 years old and had the privilege of, of being reasonably good at, at cricket. And I ended up playing first division cricket in school. And at the end of that season, we won a, 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 the, the tournament or whatever it was. And I went out with some of my heroes. One or two were playing Natal at the time. And I'm playing cricket with them. And I'm in one of their cars. And we go to the end of your event and it's fun and there's awards and we go out and the wives go home. And, and oh, we're going somewhere else. Cool, I'm in his car. Next minute, we end up in an area in Durban that I'm not too familiar with because I was quite an innocent 18-year-old. Spent my Friday nights at youth. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and now I'm in someone's car who I think is a legend, and we're parked outside a strip club. And I'm going, hang on. Last Friday night, we had an all-night prayer meeting at youth. I love Jesus. What's going on here? You've got to make decisions. Because someone's leading you. I'm being led by my fears. I'm being led by my adoration of man. I'm being led by my fear of man. What man would think. What man, what if I, what if I offend these guys and no more opportunities and I won't play first team next year and I won't get that opportunity of that scholarship that I was trying to get. What if, what, and it just escalates and it escalates and it escalates. Or, God. Who has my future has every opportunity for my life in his hands and he's holding it and the spirit of God in that moment saying will you see Jesus I think it was I look back now I didn't know it at the time it was one of the defining moments of my life I said to the guys because I didn't have the courage to tell them why I wasn't coming in if I'm being honest I just said I'll see you now they went inside I started walking through the worst parts of Durban I got home at Hoppers 5 that morning after walking for two hours with every fear shouting in my life. But I went to sleep with peace in my heart. An inheritance intact. Sexuality that stepped, sidestepped potential chaos. I'm so grateful for that moment and the leading of the Spirit. I'm not trying to put something on you. I'm trying to tell you what this looks like. It's real. And then I, I ask on Facebook if someone could bring in Louise, try to shoot out to get me a bag out. I, I should have asked earlier. But the second picture that I want to leave you with today, I probably don't know how, what I'm doing here. See, this is an RV stand for a drip, I think. Pretty sure it is. comes with a bag. And when you're not well and when you, you have... Inability to navigate your way forward. Like I had a small little cut on my hand and next minute there's all sorts of red stuff going up my arm. and That's not right. They had to put me on an intravenous medication. Antibiotics and all sorts of stuff. Because if I hadn't got that next minute, they said actually the risk of your hand is doing that. 24 more hours of you leaving it and your hand stuck. So they put me on an intravenous reality. But I'm an active, hyperactive guy. I don't do beds well. Sometimes even when I'm asleep. And you put me in a, ho a hospital, and I, I don't do beds well, so I've got to walk. And I'm walking around the hospital, showing too much here, but walking. <laughs> and I'm just walking, because I can't stay in bed. And, and I'm walking, but I can't go without my drip. So without the drip, I'm going to drift. 
back to sickness. I'm going to drift back to brokenness. I'm going to drift. Now, every picture has a weakness. So don't take this picture and make it everything. But there's a picture here. Because there's a walk here. God said, I didn't create you to sit still for the rest of it. I want to take you on a journey called mission. But you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. The challenge is every time we preach about the Spirit of God in church, we only really speak about waterfalls moments of God and the baptism of the Holy, which I love. But there's something else. He says, God, I want you to be led by the Spirit of God every day. I want you to be dependent on that voice in every situation. When you walk into the boardroom and your partners are making decisions based on borderline profits that actually looks more like clever fraud than the ways of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. You find courage in the Spirit of God. You find strength in the Spirit of God to speak as a son of God. It says, actually, the desires towards else dissipate. When you understand you are led, you're still led. You're not a slave being led and pulled by a chain. You are led by a loving Father and the Holy Spirit through life. And you're navigating decisions and you've got hard decisions to make. You are led. You are the follower. You're led graciously. And His life is pouring into you. And it sustains you because it's the bread of life. It's re- the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm going to reveal to you Jesus in every context, in every situation. You think you've got struggles? You think you've got trials? You think Jesus didn't face up to lust? You think Jesus didn't have opportunities to crook his clients in the carpentry business? You don't think there was recessions in Jesus' time when he was a man walking? You don't think there were times he was hungry? No, he faced all of those things. And he says, I know what you need, so I'm going to leave a gift. And when I leave, that gift called the Holy Spirit will seal you with a promise. And that promise you will walk with every day of your life into eternity. And you will spend eternity with God because the Holy Spirit allowed you to navigate a role. Not a million rules put up on a church website, but the Spirit, the law of love, captivating every desire in your soul. And when my soul cries out, oh, my soul, wake up to the King of glory. So let me be honest. I got saved when I was 14, 15 years old. I got filled with the Spirit of God almost immediately. I've had the Spirit of God in my life and I've wrestled at times. And the conflict is real. Had the privilege of playing sports overseas. It's not a great thing if you're trying to hold on to things like purity. Just telling you. And I'm walking and I'm wrestling and I'm by the grace of God. I got married a virgin by the grace of God. Not by my, my ability to walk a road, I promise you. Purely by the Spirit of God that was so committed to my future and an inheritance and something that I couldn't see. I wanted everything of the world. I'm just telling you. Having been hidden away in a youth group, when you get exposed to stuff, all of a sudden, your desires go, they come out of the cave you thought you'd locked up, but it was never locked up. Because the enemy's always there. And you've got to decide, how am I going to live this? Oh, I need more rules. Someone at church, tell me what to do. Someone put a chain on me. Someone tell me to throw my computer away or not go overseas. No, no, God says, I want you to go on journeys. I want you to walk, but I want you to be led by my spirit. The gift that I'm giving you to show you and to lead you. And you need it. Him, not it, sorry. You need him. The Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't fight addiction on your own. You can't satisfy those desires enough because you never, they will never be enough. Your, your lust for wealth. Now go back to the word and say, 
God wants wealthy believers who will impact the nations, but understand its place in your heart. We sang that song last week, The Caverns of My Heart. That line has haunted me this week because I realize I've got some caverns in my heart. There's voices shouting. God says, I'll lead you. I'll show you. I'll fight for you. But will you allow yourself to be led? And when that leadership voices in your life says, don't go left and don't go right, well, you just don't go left. As good as left looks, as good as right looks, sometimes he's just going to show you the straight street. It might look boring in the moment. It might look unappealing. It might even look like more hardship and pain and suffering. But see, our ability to see is limited. But when I choose to sing songs like, every day he is good, even when all I can see is pain, I'll live an eternal story now. And the faithfulness of God invades my life. And I'll live a life the world will go, the world will go wow. See, Sat with a man this week, one of my best friends, who when I chose to leave corporate world and go into ministry, he was completely offended and completely challenged by it. And he's chosen another road and he's become very successful. And he, and I've told the story not because he wasn't meant to be successful. I've told the story because he, there was a call on his life too. And he told me the reasons for not doing it. It wasn't faith. And we got an honesty moment 15 years later to sit down and say, what are you doing with the call of God in your life? And we got to encourage each other again, get back to that thing again, say, actually, we're just sons of God wanting to be led. Here's the thing, guys. We think too much of ourselves. I think too much of my own ability to navigate my life, my family. I think I've got this thing under control. I don't. But there is one in my life who is faithful, secure, and strong. He's in control. He says, I want to lead you, so I've given you my Holy Spirit. Not a force to bring out when you're sick. And I'm sick now, now I need your Holy Spirit. No, every day, maybe it just looks more like a drip into my life every day than a waterfall that happens once a week, once a year, once a decade at church. Is that all right? Can I pray for us? Father God, Your word grips us. I pray let your word grip us this morning. I pray let the concept of freedom not grip us, but our desires rise up for you, Jesus, for you, Spirit of God, and for you, Father. Captivate us again. Captivate us afresh. I pray let fear of man, rejection, insecurities about the future, let them become so unappealing and unattractive to us and such a quiet voice in our life compared to the glory of the one who's seated on the throne and the potential that we have to walk like the psalmist says, to to pant for your presence, to be thirsty for your presence. Better is one day, just one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, Jesus. Just one day, one moment. And you say, actually, I'll put my courts inside of your heart. I'll give you the Spirit of God and He will seal you for eternity as mine. I pray, God, for decisions that need to be made in this place. Not sin management decisions, another human effort decision. Decisions just to trust you. Decisions just to allow 
the Spirit of God to lead. And even the faith for that, the Word said, is given to us. And I pray, Spirit of God, this morning, right now, just going to take 20 seconds, just be still. Speak, Spirit of God. We're listening. We're at the end of our resources. For parenting, speak, Spirit of God. For careers, speak, Spirit of God. You want people to be successful, but you don't want success at the cost of a chain around our ankles. Speak, Spirit of God, to young people making decisions about the lives they want to live, the sexuality that they are pursuing. Speak, Spirit of God. Put courage this morning. Speak, Spirit of God. We pray. We're listening.